You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget here on Moody Radio 89.3. And fresh back from a trip to Israel, Matana DeWitt is joining us. She is Vice President of Communications at Passages. And she and 25 believers were on a solidarity trip to Israel to show the Jewish people they are not alone during this time of war and tragedy. So what did they learn? We're going to find out now. Matana, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'd love to hear what Passages is about, because I think it really has uh, created this environment for such a time as this. So tell us what it's about and how it has been um, impacting what's going on in Israel right now. Absolutely. So Passages is here to really equip the next generation of Christian leaders to be advocates for their faith at home and then also to advocate for the Jewish people in Israel. Um, And in this moment, as you just mentioned, Eric, this is kind of um, a a really pivotal moment um, to be doing that. And um, and so we do that through trips to Israel. We usually bring our students to Israel on this, you know, uh, catalytic experience that really is a defining moment for their faith. And then we uh, we kind of disciple them and give them opportunities to continue growing as a leader as they come back home. So obviously that has looked a little bit different right now in light of the war and one of the things that we really wanted to do was show the Jewish people, show our friends in Israel that they're not alone. And the best way to do that is by showing up in person. Um, our uh, our co-founder and board member has this phrase he uses. It's called incarnational advocacy. And really, it's taking the model of, of Jesus who came to be with us in flesh. And, you know, how do we do that? How do we follow that example in our own lives? How do we show up in person? So I think that was you know, kind of the the heart behind what we wanted to do in traveling to Israel is we wanted to show up in person because we know that that means so much more whenever we can actually bring our whole selves and say, hey, I am with you. Um, So we did that in a a few different ways, and we could talk about that more if you'd like, but Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of the heart behind who we are and what we did on the Solidarity Trip. It says here that you visited two communities even in the Gaza envelope. So tell us more about where you were and who you had a chance to interact with. Sure. So these two communities, Natif Hasarat and Kafar Aza, they're both um, villages, moshavs, um, that one of them is a kibbutz, one is a moshav, um, slight difference. But we, we actually visit there really often on our trips. So all of our 11,000 alumni have either been to one of those two places. Um, so for eight years, we've been connected to these communities. So it was obviously devastating um, in general for all of this to happen. But specifically, we, we felt um, that for these two communities because we know people there. We have friends there. Our alumni have visited there multiple times. Um, so we wanted to do something to help these two communities. And so we raised over uh, $500,000 um, to split bet- uh, between the communities to help with um, psychological counseling, to help with vocational training for the young people, to help with rebuilding efforts whenever that time comes. Obviously, too early to talk about that for them right now, but we want to be there kind of as a long-term partner to say, hey, we're with you. We want to help you rebuild your communities whenever the time comes. So it was really meaningful to get to to share those funds that we had raised um, by actually showing up and and saying, hey, we want to we want to support you. We want to stand with you. And we're doing it in this tangible way um, by coming alongside them financially. So very, very meaningful. And these two communities are in the Gaza envelope. So it's really close to to the Gaza border, and these wonderful people have just dedicated their lives to to peace. You know, they live really close to 
um, to where there could be danger for them, but they really believe in peace. They really care about their uh, their Palestinian neighbors. They care about um, their Israeli neighbors, and they just want peace. And obviously, this is a really hard time for them, especially having, you know, given that they've dedicated so much of their lives to peace. But, um, you know, I think there's still that vision of peace even now. Can I ask you a little bit more about that? Before October 7th, were they living in peace with their Palestinian neighbors? And, and what does that look like now for them? Yeah, so... You know, it's interesting because the the standard of living um, there, it's, you know, people say, um, I think that it was the mayor of Kafaraza before October 7th had said, you know, it's it's uh, it's 95 percent heaven and 5 percent hell because that 5 percent of the time there are uh, missiles and rockets that will come over from Gaza and land in those communities near those communities. So they've kind of developed this standard of life where they have, you know, bus stations or bomb shelters, um, playgrounds are bomb shelters. And whenever the red alert goes off, they have about uh, between 10 and 15 seconds to take shelter. Um, so it's, it's a hard way to live, especially for families. But, you know, there's this commitment to this is our home. Uh, this is where we live. Uh, we want peace. And we believe that by being here and by flourishing here with our families, even if it means the, you know, the 5% of the time, it, it's really hard and it's a sacrifice to have to, you know, live in that kind of an environment with, you know, my spouse, kids, et cetera. You know, there's a commitment to that. And so I think obviously October 7th has changed that a lot, um, given the fact that it was such a devastating attack um, that, you know, people weren't really prepared for. They never saw that coming. And so obviously the conversation has changed, but I think at the core, that desire for peace, that desire to to live with their families and, and, and flourish next to their neighbors, whoever their neighbors might be, I think that core desire is still there. You know, one of the things that you say you noticed when you were there was that it was really a nation frozen in time. They haven't left that seventh day of October yet. And, you know, the rest of the world continues on, but they're stuck there. How is that affecting the nation? It's mm, such a good question. You know, it's, it's interesting because, like you said, you know, there is this, even in, you know, in our own news cycle in the U.S., you know, we have elections coming up. And, and so we've kind of, you know, pivoted away from, from talking a whole lot about Israel. Um, but traveling to Israel and, and, you know, going there, meeting the people, it was clear to me just how, um, you know, they, they talk about it's October 11, uh, it's October one. 115 or 116, you know, however many days it's been since October 7th. So, you know, they haven't left the month October. They haven't left that, that you know, uh, very visceral memory of what's happened. And um, you know, I was actually talking to a few people, almost everybody I talked to about, you know, this topic in Israel shared with me that, you know, we can't move on. Like we want to heal. We want to move on. We want to move forward. But we feel like we can't because they're still hostages you know, we still have over 130 of our people in Gaza, and we haven't heard from them. We don't know where they are, how they're doing, if they're even alive. And so there's a level of kind of being in limbo that I think all of Israel feels right now is because they, you know, they they can't move on until they know, until they have, you know, until they have their people back with them. Um, so I think it's, it's definitely affecting everybody. Um, I think everybody feels that even people who maybe don't know someone in particular that was but, you know, the thing is, everybody knows someone because it's such a small country um, and it's such a, a very connected country. They're very connected to each other. 
Um, so it's, you know, even for people who maybe it has affected quote, quote, least, you know, that even then it still doesn't feel like an art word to say, um, even people, even those people, it still affects very deeply. Um, so definitely, definitely need our prayers and our support for sure. Yeah. Well, we're, we are speaking with Matana DeWitt, who's with Passages. We've got a link to their website, by the way, with some great resources there, including ways to be praying, especially for the hostages. That's one point that we can be praying for, that a quick return at this point. Um, Matana, one of the things that I'm sure, or I'm actually, I'm not sure, let me know, did it come up as you were visiting with Israelis? Are they aware of maybe some of the anti-Semitism that's been, um, you know, on display around the world? And I can't imagine how that's affecting them. Very much. Yes, very much. So, um, you know, on, on campuses especially, which is the, the place where we operate a lot, you know, we work with college students. Um, it's, it's probably the worst. And it's even gotten to the point where, you know, I live in Allen, Texas. Our headquarters are, are uh, in Allen, close to Dallas. Um, and we have people here in our own community who don't want to um, go and buy candles for Hanukkah, who don't want to, like, publicly uh, wear a Star of David because they're afraid of, of being attacked violently. And that's happening even in a, a you know, a, a quiet suburb like Allen, Texas. Um, so it's happening everywhere. Since October 7th, there's been almost a 400% increase in, anti- in, in anti-Semitism. And that is, you know, that's, that's global. And it's in the United States, especially. And so we feel that, um, that kind of urgency since it's in, you know, it's in our own backyard. Um, so Passages really wants to be a part of pushing that back, of pushing the darkness of anti-Semitism back with the light um, and so that is something that really motivates us. And as we were talking to people in Israel, you know, we're, we're from the United States. So people would ask us like, Hey, like what's going on? You know, like how to, like, <laughs> is, is everybody in the U S is everybody in the U S think this? And unfortunately, because there's so much in the news and so much, uh, the, you know, the loudest voice is sadly one of, of hatred toward the Jewish people. And so, you know, with, with passages, we really want to, to bring a louder voice from the Christian community saying, we love you. We stand with you. We see that what's happened to you is evil and there's no other word for it. So, you know, there's that um, definitely that urgency that we feel to make sure that the Jewish people know um, both in our own um, country and in Israel and all over that Christians are here and, and Christians see and Christians support and, and stand with our Jewish brothers and sisters. So with the last minute that we have here, how do we do that effectively? What what are some thoughts or ideas that you have that our voice can be louder? Of course. So I think one of the biggest things is to um, to spread the truth. There's so much misinformation out there about what actually happened on October 7th. Um, and so being able to spread the truth, to share publicly um, on social media or whatever platform people have, that is such a help. Um, another thing is just to reach out to your local Jewish community. So reach out to your local synagogue or, or whatever, um, whatever connections you might have with the Jewish community and just say, hey, we're, my Christian community really wants to stand with you and to support you. Um, you know, even, even that gesture, even, you know, kind of reaching out and making that connection, asking what can I do, that means a lot. And it also is coming from someone close by. And so there's that level of, of connection that is there as well. Um, and I would say, you know, prayer, prayer moves mountains. You know, we as Christians believe that you know, the, the strongest thing we can do is pray. And prayer with action um, together is, is beautiful and will, I think, will really change things. 
Matana, in the last minute that we do have, would you lead us in in, in prayer, someone who's been there, someone who is obviously working in this area, I think would be a great model for us, and, and we'll join you in that. Would you mind closing us in prayer on this topic? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the ability to stand. We thank you that you have um, put in our hands the tools that we need um, to, to fight a spiritual battle um, and to stand with your people, with the Jewish people, with Israel. We thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of all of the darkness that we've seen and all of the, the hate and the, the terror and the death, Lord, we thank you that your light still shines brighter. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us strength and courage and wisdom as we bear that light in a, in a broken and, and twisted world, Lord. We, we thank you that you have the answers. And, Lord, we ask that you would help us to stay so connected to you so we could discern what your will is and how to, how to fight this battle with, in, in your way with the tools that you've given us. And we ask you, Lord, to fill us with your love and with your compassion uh, and even with, with your ideas and with your creativity of how we can be part of the solution. Lord, we thank you for this, and we, we thank you for, for bringing us here, for calling us to this moment for such a time as this. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Matana DeWitt with Passages has been with us. You can find a link to them at ericandbridget.org. Thank you for joining us. We do uh, appreciate the information that you've uh, passed along, the help in uh, helping us to understand what, what mm-hmm. we can do. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much.